Well, Maureen Younger, here we are back again for the second episode of Droughtlander for series four. Series four, Maureen. I'm Maureen Younger, and this is obviously Jen Brister, and you are listening to our Droughtlander podcast. Well, we're kind of in tune with the. We're kind of. We're only about two weeks behind. Yeah, we're. I mean, which for us? <laughs> pretty good going. We're not two years behind. So for us, this is pretty much bang on time. Um, critically acclaimed <laughs> by us. By us. Um, loved, beloved podcast by people who don't watch Outlander in particular. <laughs> yeah, still a mystery to me. That is still a mystery to me. I, I that's something I'll never get my head around. Uh, and uh, we are today in this particular episode. I suppose you could call this a bonus episode because you haven't had a podcast for two weeks. So we're sticking two out this week. So you'll get one, which is today on Wednesday, should you be listening to it on the same day, which I don't know. I don't know how likely that is. Could happen. And then we'll have another one for you, uh, which is episode four. Is that episode for for Droughtlander? Episode three. Oh, no, we're doing no, two and three we're today. Two and three today. Okay, Maureen. yeah, episode four is so on Maureen Friday. Maureen gave me a look there as if to go, look at Jen. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> and then she realised, I yeah. do. <laughs> but I'm right on this occasion, Maureen. Makes, makes a change. Makes a change, but there we are. Mind you, the fact that we're wrong never stops us from arguing something, does it? I think if I'm wrong, I, I will um, argue it <laughs> more, uh, more vehemently, <laughs> if I'm honest. I think that's normal, isn't it? Especially well, halfway through the argument when you actually oh, come that. to the realisation that you are completely well, wrong. But you've started, so you've got to kind of finish. I've got to stick to it. <laughs> Even if the facts have been laid before me. But, don't know what you're talking about. Fake news. That's it. That's when fake news is helpful for dickheads like me. So we're talking about episodes. Where are you going, Maureen? I'm going to, to look at my review because it was quite a while back. I haven't really been, I haven't been doing what I normally do. Which is watch it over Watch over and over again. Which um, is a good sign. I watched them both. Today? Uh, yesterday on the train. Uh, Maureen has been badgering me and badgering me to watch them. And... I would say subtle, subtly hinting. No, you've definitely been badgering. <laughs> um, so, yes, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the bloody levels on this thing. Sorry, I'm. that's not for you as the listener to care about. So, um, Maureen, yes. uh, we are talking about episodes two and three. Let's start with two, because we didn't want to do two on its own. Uh, for anyone that's watched it, because it was a bit bleak. It was very bleak. How did you find it? I found it on Amazon. <laughs> Guys, I'm here all week. There's more of those. If you stick around long enough on this podcast, boy, oh boy, will you be disappointed. No, um, I found it... Well, I mean... It's, it's not. A, it's an uncomfortable watch, it's isn't un- it? Well, I'd hope you'd find it uncomfortable. I mean, it'd be a bit weird if you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh for those of you, let's start. Let's start. It's always best to start at the beginning. So we've laid the, the we've laid the the ground for the first episode in the last episode of this Droughtlander podcast, for which now I have entirely forgotten what happened. Basically, um, they got robbed, didn't they? At that, that the end of the last episode. Oh yeah, and we, by that, that guy, Irish guy, that Irish guy who I presume is coming back at some I, point. I, I, was, I, I, I think so, Jamie will get his come, uh, give him his cup up. So they arrive at River Run, and we meet Aunt Jocasta, who's quite a quite character i think okay so we meet aunt jacasta who we've already discussed in the in the last episode we were like oh how handy that you arrive in north carolina shipwrecked and you just happen to have a very uh, not only an aunt who lives there but one of the wealthiest scots people in the whole of north america anyway 
just by chance, she happens to own a tobacco plantation and a, is it and a mill and some other things. I don't. I may have made may have made cotton up, but certainly tobacco. And it's entirely uh, run and uh, uh, sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The people that well, it's basically built on the on it's the, built on, on slavery. slavery. It's built on slavery. So, of course, Claire is having a bloody nightmare about this. She can't uh, reconcile what is happening in... uh, uh, 18th century America. I know. It's like, look, just to be clear, no one can. It's absolutely horrific. But um, Claire is sometimes kind of naive to the point of like, look, love... You're not going to change people's opinions. You're not going to change people's opinions about slavery just by saying that you disapprove of it. So, anyway, we meet Aunt Jocasta, who owns these slaves, but appears to be in what she believes to be benevolent. Although you could Yeah, it's that paternalistic, you know, I'm actually doing them a favour, and you're like, no, you're not. You're not doing anyone a favour, That's how you justify it, isn't it? You justify it to yourself. Yes, like the whole idea, I have slaves, but some of them are I'm really nice to them, I'm really nice to them. Not nice enough to give them their actual freedom and treat them as human beings, but hey. But also when they're working, they've got overseers with guns and whips, so, I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't do that with my friends. But that's, I think that's the... There's the nothing view. worse that yeah that pater- that sort of white paternalism, but that's the way I think that you know that oppression works, isn't it? That you kind of denigrate the people that you're oppressing, so well, you you dehumanise them, yeah, and so then you can say just so you can justify your own actions and justify your own actions, and also uh, fool yourself into believing that you're doing something right. Anyway, let's not get into the politics of slavery. I think we can all agree it's pretty horrific. But yeah. there we are with Claire. We meet this Aunt Jocasta who, despite being a slave owner, <laughs> is made in this show to seem quite... Um, formidable, isn't she? She's quite, quite formidable. But also you get the idea, you get the impression that we're supposed to like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, what's really interesting is you don't realise straight away is she's blind. So she's a very capable woman who's also uh, and this is referred to quite a few times that she's frustrated in doing what she has to do because she's a woman she can't make that's why she likes Jamie so much because she can't make so so she's not allowed to make certain decisions by the society that she lives in so she's slightly frustrated and she has a her servant who's uh, her slave I suppose uh, is it Ulysses? Ulysses who obviously is a very capable man but obviously he's limited as well in what he can do because of his colour yeah, and I, you kind of get the impression that he's like, you know, this is her the way eyes. he is. Uh, he is her eyes. Uh, he's he's kind of, the, he's the guy there that's saying, look, this is the way slavery is, you know, to, to Claire. Don't rot the boat because actually we're the ones that get punished, not you. Yeah, and I think that, that was quite an uh, interesting point is that when she said, she said to one slave, don't call me mistress, call me Claire. And the slaves were like, what the hell's going on? Because what Claire doesn't realise is if that slave is too friendly with Claire, it's not Claire that's not is going to get to trouble. It'll be the slave. You know what I mean? And even so, if you save one slave, then it becomes clear later that the another slave, slave will, pay, will be paid. Pay the price. So if they can't punish the slave that you have saved, they'll punish the one that was standing next to him. So anyway, the whole thing is, uh, you know, as it just, it just it's, it's such an iniquitous uh, society. Iniquitous, I don't think that's a word. But it's such the society is so um, because you know the whole society is underpinned by slavery. So the law underpins it. So you. So when Jamie tries to free the slaves later on, he can't because it it it's impossible. The it's all it's it... it's made it's all set up to make uh, it impossible to, to for men to be to be freed and and uh, uh, it's endemic uh, within that society that kind of um, inequality and uh, uh, you know 
basically superior white the, the the idea that the race the white race is better listen i can't speak so but you get the yes. idea of what i'm trying and to then, say and um, then there's some other characters you've got lieutenant wolf who's the who's um the navy man who i think's after jacaster's money but and jamie's a threat but let's go back a bit okay let's just go back a bit because i want to discuss aunt jacaster right. who is jamie's mum's sister mm-hmm. who hasn't seen jamie since he was a wee bairn yes and here he turns up and she's immediately, you know, her sister who she loved, her son. But they immediately, in, what, 24 hours? Bond. They bond very quickly. And then she's going to give him all her property. They bond so quickly that she makes an announcement that he is to receive... All her property. All of her property, all of her land, all of her wealth in... In that moment, I mean, like, I even I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And she's a really astute businesswoman. I mean, so. well, you so you keep saying not that astute, <laughs> but also like she says, she's been following Jamie what he's been up to abroad, and you think, how in the middle of nowhere have you been able to follow what Jamie's been up to? Yeah, but then there was we, no Facebook. I then. know, but then later on, we find that everyone knows what Jamie's been doing. <laughs> it's like Jamie's the guy that everybody is interested in. Oh, so I hear you were a printer, and before that, you were an outlaw, and before that, you were in the Highlands, and before that. <laughs> It's like, how the effing hell do you know? Perhaps it was a very early colonial Facebook in that I don't days. know. Anyway, he word gets around about Jamie Fraser. But, so, we get the impression, anyway, later, that the reason why she's done that is because she doesn't want to marry this creepy guy who's been circling yeah, her. Yeah, circling her. So she doesn't want, she wants to make sure that her wealth and her title go to somebody within her family which, which is, is fair enough completely and also reasonable. I think there's that thing that you know she's obviously very was very fond of Jamie's mum and there's that connection isn't it because the mum's dead so yes but you're right and within five minutes she's already offering him all the land and and you are like wow it does seem a bit too quick meanwhile Claire is being Claire and creating fucking havoc uh by uh naively believing that just because she thinks slavery is bad, that will be the end of it. Oh, yes. That she can convince, convince everyone. everybody. And even when challenged, why do you not disagree with slavery? Um, well, just, you know, think it's bad. Well, glad that you came up with that, you know, argument, Claire. That's really convinced me that, you know... Yeah, I think if Claire, if they had stayed, Jamie and Claire had stayed, Claire and Jocasta would have had a few... Because they're both quite strong-willed women. Uh, Jocasta's more diplomatic about it, and and I think she's quite she's more manipulative and quite clever about it. Whereas Claire's just very headstrong, isn't she? Claire's cards are on the table from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, she'd be crap at poker. Here is exactly what I think at all given moments and times, with my heaving bosom and my flushed cheeks. All right, Claire. Well, you know, maybe if you want to convince people, you could be a little bit more diplomatic in your approach. <laughs> Suffice to say, she doesn't succeed. So, uh, what happens is, what is that? What is the lead up to that guy being hooked on a, on oh, a hook? Um, basically, they 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 just hear, they just say there's some trouble, and they turn up, and he's hacked off the ear of the the overseer. This uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Oh, okay, no, this is brilliant. So basically. Claire has said to Jamie that there is no way that she can stay at River Run because of slavery and she doesn't want to have any part Which of it. Which I have to think is very impressive because they're turning down a lot of money and a lot of land for principal. So that is quite... Yeah, but you would hope that most people would... I, I would know. suggest most people probably wouldn't. You don't think so? No. Even if you've come from the future? No, I think people will go for the money. 
Oh my god! But, no, that's but, 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 but look, but look at look at modern day. You know, people buy very cheap clothes that are made in in sweatshops. Well, people go on holiday to Dubai. You so know, I mean, I mean so people, that's built. That whole bloody place is built. You know, on bonded people buy labor. computers that are you know made under under uh, spurious conditions. But, you know, people are very. Um, you know, certain organisations, big companies, workers don't treat their workers really well and we still buy from them. Well, I mean, people still vote Conservative, given what, you know, I mean, I don't want to get political here, but I mean, there's still absolute so bell I think I think most people would just would do would do that thing where Jamie first says, you know, well, we can be very nice to them. And Claire's like, no, 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 no. How, that isn't, yeah, there is that no isn't. being nice to someone who doesn't have their food. Yeah. Fair play to Claire. High five, Claire. All well, of she's that. Sticking up, she's, you know, she talks she's sticking talk. up for her prism. She walks, walks the, walk, the walk and then she talks the talk and then she does a dance. Whatever it is she's doing, she believes in what she says. She sticks to her guns. They turn down a huge amount of money, a big property, status, wealth, the whole shebang. And just in that moment where they've given the lecture to to Aunt Jocasta about why, because she's like, are you, what's your... It's Rufus, isn't it? It's Rufus. It's, they, they, they say, look, there's something, something's happening. You've got to go and sort it out. And they don't realise that uh, this slave called Rufus has attacked the overseer. Who has probably done something horrific. horrific. And uh, the law is that if a black, of a slave... Or if anyone of... Anyone who has black skin, yeah, but, uh, uh, cause sheds blood. Sheds no, not sheds blood. Sheds blood of a from, of a white person. Then they are killed. Then they executed. It's executed, and that is the law. So there is no hey, let's go to trial and let's see, see if what happens. No, it's you're black, you're white. He hurt you. Doesn't matter if you hurt him first. You're dead. Um, and then at, and then I didn't realize because I couldn't, my head couldn't get round this. Um, instead of hanging him normally, which would be bad enough. They hang him from a hook in his stomach. Well, I don't think that that is... I think what, you know, by law he would have been hung. Yeah. But this guy decided... The guy who had his ear cut off decided to take the law into his own hands. And hang he, him by a hook. He uh, got a hook him. into this man's gut, oh. pulled him up by a rope so the man was hanging from a hook in his stomach. We can all agree uh, that was And the sad thing awful. is that is probably, she's probably done a research and that probably did happen. Oh, I don't doubt that. I mean, the worst things happened oh, uh, uh, 200 years or 100 years later in the deep south in America. You know, the things they were doing to... <clears throat> anyway, look, this is supposed to be, to, first and foremost, this is supposed to be a comedy podcast. Well, so obviously can't, you can't do comedy on this episode. It's pretty hard to do comedy on this episode. But, so this young man is hanging from a hook. Of course, Claire... And uh, what's his job turn up and are horrified. They right. unhook him. Uh, immediately, Claire says, we've got to save him, take him to such and such where I will take him to River Run so I can care for him. The guy whose ear has been cut off is livid. Yep. He's like, uh, he, he, he can't understand it. Uh, Jamie gets guns out and basically forces them to take Rufus home. Rufus is then, um, Claire does a miracle doctrine job but you can see the servants are thinking like the, the I keep calling them servants they're not servants they're slaves they're just thinking this is they obviously realise there's going to be trouble because if Rufus doesn't pay the price for what he's done somebody else somebody will. else will and the and Ulysses tries to explain that to Claire doesn't he so that's when Ulysses says you can't save this boy in fact you should have let him die on a hook because the fate that waits him now is worse than that because basically a mob have turned up outside River Run she's ripping him apart Chucking stones saying that the law has not been uh, uh, followed through, that they want justice, and the only way to have justice is to now murder this young man. And they're not just going to hang him now, they're going to do some pretty horrific things to him. So uh, Ulysses said, now, if we offer him to the mob, 
he's going to be ripped to shreds and his his the fate that he has will be worse than the death on a hook. So Claire's got that terrible decision of... But she doesn't yet. So she's like, well, we're, I'm going to save him. I'm going to do that. And basically, Ulysses says what we just discussed earlier. Well, you might save Rufus, but what you've done is you've given a somebody death else. sentence to, to somebody, somebody else. else. Because this is how unfair it is. Um, and so Claire is in suddenly in this bind. Jamie ap- makes an appeal to his aunt. She says... Well, she knows. I mean, they're just burned down, they're, they're burned down the house. She's like, well, I mean, if I free this slave, they'll burn down the house and then all of these slaves will be, um, you know, without any... And then I won't have a home and you won't have a home and it'll be whatever. So there's, there's like they're in a no-go situation. So Claire's got that decision, which I suppose a lot of doctors have to make, is whether she should uh, give him a peaceful death or, um, or let her be torn by a mob. That is often a decision that no, many NHS doctors have to No, but I mean, sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't mean like NHS. <laughs> <laughs> I meant, you know, when people are, like, suffering, I mean, you know, when they've got that... Because, you know, as a doctor, you're not meant to do any harm, are you? That's the whole point of being a doctor. You're not allowed to harm people. But there must be some times when doctors are faced, not obviously in this situation, but where you've got somebody in chronic, chronic pain um, and there's no chance of them getting better. I'm sure there's... The, you know, a doctor now and then has probably given them a bit too much morphine or... Do you know what I mean? To send somebody on their way. It's that, it's that thing of the, what, the lesser of two evils, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I haven't said, it's, it's, this is a really tricky episode. So uh, Claire knows that this young man who, by the way, she's stitched up, but has just literally just been stitched up from having a, a dirty hook shoved and in his gut. Pe- and has, and is in a, has the risk of infection and may well die anyway. But she feels a lot of empathy for this young man, wants him to survive, wants to save him, but can't realises that she can't save him. So what they do is Jamie says, uh, why don't you... What was it he says? Can't something like give him... Uh, something about his soul. Do what you did to the young lad. Do what he did with um, Colin. Colin. So Hello, uh, Jasmine. So basically, give him... A doctored tea. Yeah, so poison him, basically. Um, or give him something that will make him, you know, go to sleep, hopefully relatively calmly and not wake up, which is what she does. So the young man dies, and they then they take his body out. They, the mob don't seem to know or care that this guy's... They don't seem to notice he's died. Well, he's still warm, isn't he? Because he's yeah. literally just died. So they lay him out as if he's unconscious, and then they drag this young boy's body, string him up. And anyway, let's not go into this. And then you can see Claire's just... Um, I think Jamie's furious because he can't do anything about it. And um, Claire's just... Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 probably one of the least jolly episodes. Uh, it's a bit hard to take the piss out of this one. Anyway. It's impossible. So, uh, that bit ends. Yes. Thankfully. Thankfully. And they leave. They leave. We're on episode three now. So, yeah, then they leave... Um, to, make, to to make their yeah. way before they leave, let's not forget that Jocasta stops Claire and says, "You know, you're a fiery woman. I can see why Jamie loves you, but if you really loved him, you wouldn't let him settle for being just a printer." And she, she has, I think, she has got a point because we forget that Jamie was used to, you know, he was a laird, and he was used to that. And uh, I think uh, Claire gets really upset about it, but I think partly because she knows it's true. Claire's holding Jamie back, <laughs> as we all suspected. No, just kidding. So uh, so Claire gets in a bit of a strop. I mean, Claire is almost either in a strop or close to tears. So that is... Just menopause. That's the general... I mean, in some ways, I relate to her quite a lot. I'm either in a strop or close to tears. Um, 
So that's the end of that episode. Thank the bloody Lord, because it no, was... That, all that bit about her and Jocasta's in the beginning of the next episode. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, shit, sorry. Doesn't really matter. We're on to the false bride now. We're on to the false bride. Episode it's a bit f- of a false start. <laughs> uh, episode four, which episode I... Episode three. Uh, episode three. Mother of the Christ. <laughs> Anyway, you get the blinking idea, guys. Anyway, uh, and at the beginning of episode three, we're in 1970s Scotland and we get to see Roger Wakefield in fetching knitwear. He likes his knitwear, does our Roger. Is he supposed to be? Can I just clarify? Is he? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not the right person to ask. Supposed to be sexy? Yes. Right. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> I... To be fair, you don't really swing for that team, do you? So... I can see he's handsome, but he's constantly in horrible brown slacks and knitwear. It's really hard. Uh, you, you know, it's not like with Jamie, who's like this strapping bloke with his biceps bulging and his, his pectoral muscles sticking out in a tight vest, <laughs> shirt, whatever. This guy's sort of looking quite lumpy. He, and, does wear, he does wear a lot of wool. He wears a lot of wool. He's very lumpy looking. And, um, yeah. No, he... Anyway... This episode really pissed me off. Why? He, I found him so annoying. We haven't got there yet. I know what scene you mean. Oh but... my god! I, the whole thing. I just, I wanted to punch him in the face. Anyway, whatever. But you, yeah, that's that's what he said. Punch him. <laughs> I feel like that about most men. <laughs> you look at me. Don't. So anyway, um, he's leaving the house. Fiona's managed to buy it. Fiona, no, bow. I mean, it's, have you seen the size of that house? And also, it's the manse. Surely it's the manse. So therefore, you wouldn't be able to sell it anyway. But anyway, let's move on from that bit. But Roger's going off to America. Is I think it? we need to backtrack a bit. Oh, so no. if you don't know who Fiona is, she is the daughter of the... Mrs. Graham. Mrs. Graham, who was the basically the housekeeper of, yeah. of, of that house. And he used to fancy Roger. It's clearly moved she, on. She, But she's now... Happily. Happily married or happily... Happily married and she's giving Roger love advice um, saying that you should tell Brianna how you feel about yeah, her. Yeah, you should tell Brianna that you love her. And uh, to be, you know, to be fair, I have to say, he always seems to listen to Fiona. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. So he's going to America because he has been invited to some big Scott... He's going to North Carolina, yes, actually. that's handy. Because he's been invited to play... All of a sudden, he's playing the guitar. Oh, yeah, he's... he's <laughs> In between being a don at Oxford, he's a musician. That and... came out of nowhere. <laughs> there he is. I mean, there was no hint of this in the last series. There he is, just sitting on a stool. Strumming a guitar. Playing. Not a euphemism. Playing the, playing the, yeah, for once, it's not a euphemism. <laughs> playing the guitar. And we're like, oh, I didn't even know he could play the guitar. And then at the end he goes, hey, well, I'm off to North Carolina because I play the invited. guitar. And I'm like, yeah, first of all. well, that's very flipping handy, isn't it? Anyway, I wish they'd kind of... Drop some crumbs along the way in this show instead of just like springing that on you. So, of course, if he's going to America, we can only imagine that he's also going to be seeing Brianna, which he is. He is. And they meet and it's all very, they all like each other. You know, they like each oh, other. Oh, Brianna likes him and, and she, she looks likes... at him and she likes him. And then she sees him play the guitar and she likes him even more. <laughs> He's in a kilt at this point, isn't he? He's in a kilt. Oh, yeah. And she says, you know, my mum always told me how sexy men were in kilts and I didn't realise and now I can see. And I thought, but he's still got a lot of wool on, hasn't he? <laughs> still like in a roll he neck jumper. His, he likes his wool. A wool jumper with a wool coat and wool socks. It's like, enough of the wool, mate. So anyway, they have this... F- Apart from anything else, how itchy is that? 
they have this, you know, they, so they're lot, there's lots of flirting. And then um, he's not making a move. So she does what I, I, I mean, I've done this in the past, where you engineer a situation where you can be seduced, in inverted commas. Whoa, Maureen. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> When have you ever engineered any oh, situation? Oh, no, I have done it a couple of times when I was a lot younger. Before I mean, you knew usually, me. usually, I mean, if, if, if a bloke is flirting, oh, yeah. I mean, he would literally require... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he'd have to do for you to notice. Yeah, generally, yeah, that is true. But no, I have done it in the past. Oh, good for you. Good for you. I mean, have I done it? I don't... You... Yeah, probably. I, I don't, don't know. Maybe. I don't. I'm not very good at engineering. So, um, yeah, so she invites him back for, you know, she gives him a present. And I then... think he knows what the score is. Yeah, but it's that kind of Would thing. Would you like to come back for, for a, a drink? So That's it. She gives him a book yeah. as a gift, which we'll find out more about that book later, and a bottle of whiskey. He's like, where did you get this whiskey from? The shop. They have shops in America. <laughs> no, I think it's, what do you call it? It's Elite. It's Moonshine. So it's not... It's and not whiskey. No, it's, well, it is, but it's you know that kind of illegal, um, illegally brewed. Anyways, anyway, they, they go don't go blind. To, you'll be pleased. They, they, they go back to the her her chalet. Oh god, this bit. All right, this is the bit that I think I suggest, I suspect this Jen bit. got really annoyed about. Oh my lord, I just honestly that I had to really not throw my phone out of the window when I was watching it. I mean, I was on the train, so it was a bit difficult because you can't open windows on trains. I don't know if you know that. Uh, you usually end up sitting by the wind bit in the train when there's no window, don't you? Book a window seat and then you're... Oh, my God! I am always on that bloody seat. I can't bear it. It doesn't matter. If I book a virgin train, I am always on the chair that doesn't have a blinking window. How is that possible? I know I shouldn't have brought that up. Oh, my God. Like, literally every single train journey on this tour, I'm like, seriously, no window again? You feel like you're travelling in a, in a flipping plastic tube. I know I should have mentioned that. Anyway, get back to the actual podcast. Oh, so, yeah, God. so what did you find irritating about it, Jen? Well, Maureen, what do you think? I think you should do this bit. Okay, well, so they have a, they have a smooch. Uh, no, she takes initiative by taking her blouse off. So, I mean, that is... Clearly, a, I, I mean, mean, she's in a bra. She's in a bra. So he's looking at a stag. He turns around. She's in a bra. Well, he's like, Jesus, wept. So they start having a smooch. You can tell this has been written by a woman. So he stops having a smooch. I mean, he's been dying to shag her since he laid eyes on I her. For, I've forgotten they hadn't shagged. No, they haven't shagged. So he's about to, you know, he's he clearly in a position to get his end away. But he decides to stop it. Stop doing that because that's what men are like. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he wants... Oh, and this is brilliant. So, Halfway through, like they're having a good old passion, and he's been probably been thinking about this forever. And then halfway through the kiss, he goes, "No, I want this to be, be perfect." Because <laughs> that's what men do. They want, they want <laughs> before their first shag, they want it to be perfect. So anyway, give me a bloody favour. It's written by a woman. So anyway, um, he goes and gets her, gives her a present, and then a bracelet, a bracelet, and then he proposes marriage, and then starts talking about children. And, and where they're going to live and how gonna... he wants her to take his name. That annoyed me. Um, yeah, 60s. I know. But 70s, it's the children, 70s. 70s. But it's a children bit. I mentioned like four or five children. I mean, all they've done is kiss so far. Uh, and he's felt her bottom. And then she's like, uh, I'm not ready Quite for this. rightly. <laughs> she's like 20. So she says something like, uh, uh, I don't uh, know if I'm ready for this. Can we slow down? Which is, I think, fair enough. And he, he has an absolute paddy about it. He's a strop. 
He gets he, he gets petulant. Really angry. He gets angry. He then says, "I could no, if I just wanted to fuck you, I could have done that last year." She slaps him. I mean, ten. I could have had you on your back ten or twelve times last year. It's like, huh. <laughs> no, you could possibly, but possibly. that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> You're missing the point, mate. So, and he and then he goes. Oh, so she's the virgin. He's not a virgin. Yeah, well... So, so like, she's like, well, it's not like you haven't had sex with people before. Hey, but I never loved them. Oh, go fuck yourself, mate. And then she's like, what? So you want to marry a virgin, but you don't... And then she's like... Um, and then he goes... Which well, doesn't even make sense. If you don't care enough to marry me, I don't care enough to have you in my bed. And she was like, that makes no sense. And he was like, aye, well, there you are. <laughs> even I was like, that actually makes no sense, mate. <laughs> if you don't care enough to do the same... The, the exact thing I want you to do at the exact moment at the exact time, then I won't sleep with you. Well, that... But what? Hang on, hang on. Is this thing on? What? So, anyway, he behaves like a complete brat. Petulant, controlling twat. A, yeah. a controlling uh, uh, asshole. She quite rightly sticks to her guns and goes... I mean, she's actually looks quite sad. She clearly is in love with this guy. I mean, at that point, I'd have been like, shut it down. Because she tries to, you know, she kind of gives him a big snog and tries to win him over. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, and all this. Um, well, that's the next day, right? Uh, no, that that night as well she does it. And then the next day she tries to make amends. And he's like, I want you, when all of you want nothing at all. Yeah, because it's all about you, love. It's all about what you want. Oh, that's what it's like in relationships. What do you want? Oh, that you want that? Oh, then I will give you what you want. What do I want? It doesn't matter. Fuck you. So anyway, she walks off and he's literally holding a flame isn't he because he's holding it he's about to burn a stag don't ask anyway there's a stag they've got to burn I can't even be asked to go into that I mean I can't actually be bothered but he doesn't look very happy does he and she goes as she bloody well should yeah she, so, good for you Brianna good for you Brianna uh, fair play to you she fucks off and they don't see each other again until the next episode oh no they no they don't they don't, no, no, they don't yeah, no. so then uh uh, and then what? Do you we... know? I found I found that even though I'm a massive Jamie fan, I actually found the Brianna and Roger story the most interesting part of that episode. Yes, me too. The Jamie and, and Claire thing, I wasn't all that bothered about. And but in that, the next, and in the next episode as well. Yeah, they, that was the more interesting bit. The the Roger and Brianna. Yeah. As for Jamie and Claire, they've kind of they've they've got some time to themselves in the middle of nowhere, and Jamie's being Jamie and saying lovely, you know, I like love to. You give the world, put the world at your feet or something, isn't it? Doesn't oh, it? God. I mean, I just, the whole thing is so vomitous. Every time they're together, he all he can do is tell her how he wants to make her happy and he'll do anything for her and how she's the best thing in his life. And I'm like, mate, get some hobbies. <laughs> oh, and then... Take up knitting again. And then Claire does what Claire always does. She goes off and does something she sh that Jamie tells oh! her not to do. And you just think, for once in your life, just I mean, listen how, to Jamie. How is... How is he not, like, literally beating his own head against a wall? <laughs> so, look, now, this bit, I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, Maureen did warn me about this, but when it happened, even I was like, I just don't know what to do with myself. So, so basically, they have... They're going into North Carolina to find a, a place where they can put them... They can settle, yeah? So... They're going through the forest. It's pissing down with rain. Um, one of the they've got a donkey that's carrying all of their gear. Clarence. Uh, Clarence. Oh, look at Maureen. Maureen knows the name of the donkey. <laughs> the donkey. There is a lightning. The donkey gets scared. It runs off. So Claire jumps on a horse. Bear in the, bear in mind they are in deep, thick, thick forest. 
that they have never been in before, right? Claire, Jamie says, don't worry about the donkey, we'll get him in a minute. Claire's like, no, I'll get him. Jamie's like, no, 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 love, don't, don't do that because she's on a horse, she's buggered off. She's weaving her way through trees, chasing after this donkey when... There's a lightning and she the lightning hits the tree, and she, the horse rears, she falls off and she realises, anyway, she's lost. Got no idea Kel Surprise, love. <laughs> You're in a forest. You're in a forest. It's dark. You've jumped on a horse. You've you've ridden for a, a good half an hour, an hour, and now you've got no idea where you are. You get off the horse. You're like, where am I? Oh, mother of the blinking lord. Then there's a storm, so she hides under a tree, takes her boots off. I mean, I don't know about you, but when it's raining, I wouldn't I wouldn't take my boots off. Anyway, she takes her boots off, turns around, she finds a skull. And she's not like, I don't know about you, but if I was in the middle of a wood where I know the indigenous people weren't too happy about us being there and you found a skull, you'd be a bit perturbed, wouldn't oh, you? Just the whole thing. So, don't even, look, if, I mean, if that is the bit that is bothering you, Maureen, <laughs> I mean, really. Well, then there's, then she sees a ghost of the guy that... Wait a, a second. First of all, she finds a skull, right? Then a stone. Just, just next to where she is. <laughs> there it is. Oh, look, there's a skull. Picks it up, right? and she sees that there is like a, a big axe mark in it. A big axe wound in in where a guy, where whoever this person is, has either, has had an axe in his head or been scalped or something. Anyway, whatever. So, um, most people would like, as Maureen said, chuck the bloody, bloody skull away and freak out and run. <laughs> then she finds a stone, doesn't she? Next yes, to some him. kind of. And stone. then she she's holding the skull. She's looking at the skull because don't forget she's a doctor, so all skulls interest her. They, <laughs> Skulls in a laboratory or skulls in the middle of a wood in the in the pitch black in a forest you don't know. Those skulls also interest her. And there's a stone there and then she speaks to the skull. Is this stone yours? Oh, Jesus wept. When out of the blue, out of nowhere, she sees the figure of a man who is an indigenous Indian or an indigenous... We don't say Indians, do we? Uh, Native American is the correct Thank term you. now. Thank you. I, 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 apologies. Native American standing before her, but it's raining, but he's not getting wet because he is... A ghost! Oh, for the And she doesn't scream. I mean, if you were in the middle of the forest and you saw a ghost and you had his skull in your hand, you even though you were a doctor, you would be screaming your head off. I mean, I would like shit out my pancreas. (laughs) There is no way I would be in a dark forest in North Carolina with the ghost of a Native American approaching me. With his his skull in your hand. Do Do you know what Claire does? She looks at him quizzically. Who are you? He disappears, I mean, and then she goes to sleep. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to that's, break. But that that's down. not even the unbelievable bit. No, that bit is a believable bit. <laughs> Go on, Maureen. You have to take over. Well, basically, she wakes up. Her boots are missing. Is that in this episode? Yeah, the boots, the boot fairy has taken away her boots. But weirdly, her, there's a track, there's her foot, there's footprints. And she follows these footprints, right? And she follows and follows them. They're her footprints, They're her by footprints, the way. by the way. She's following her own footprints. Even though she didn't, she didn't walk. And then she, the footprints, and they lead her to... Jamie. <laughs> Jamie's so happy to see her. He says, thank goes, God you've had the common yeah, sense... Why did you leave your boots here? And she yeah. goes, I haven't been here before. I think it's the fairies. And Jamie goes, oh, yeah, that, like, he's kind of like, like, it's a bit weird. It's just like, 
Oh, well, they probably wanted us to be back together. Do you know what? I met a ghost, and I think the ghost wanted us to be here. (laughs) For some reason, the ghost brought me here. Instead of Jamie going, which anyone would, be like, all right, love, I think you've had a fall, or maybe it's shark, or you've been out in the cold for too long. He's like, hey, that'll be great. That'll be the fairies or whatever. And you think, well, I mean, there's no point to this show anymore. There's just no point. (laughs) We've gone, I mean, the, the episode before, which was steeped in that, you know, history. It's history and something relatively naturalistic, albeit horrific, and now we're back in, like, proper outlander territory, which, to be fair, I was relieved because I wasn't enjoying the naturalism of the previous episode anyway. I could only handle so much horror and pain and, and, and grief. So, um, episode ends. Oh, we're gonna have to close because we've done, we've done quite a bit. No, it doesn't matter. No. Do you know what? Some people will listen to an episode for uh, a podcast for 40 okay. minutes. Yeah. I mean, I'll listen to one for an hour. Not of this. Not this one. <laughs> not. God, not of this. So, anyway, the episode. Uh, How does the episode one. end? They're standing on a rock overlooking this land because they're oh. meant to be going to this town, and Jamie wants, but this is where we should be. Okay. We're gonna call it Fraser's Ridge. Okay. Again, not a euphemism. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Maureen, let's not go, let's not enter into your fantasies. What I love most about this episode and the previous episode and the following episode is that they are in North Carolina, but it is clearly Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) When Brianna and What's-His-Chops are in North Carolina, every single shot looks like Scotland. (laughs) Everybody on the set looks Scottish. Everything about it is Scottish, except every now and again you'll hear, hey, uh, hey, uh, are you Scottish? Uh, welcome to North Carolina. And I'm like, but you're in Scotland. <laughs> They're in Scotland the whole way through this. But they keep saying, North Carolina. Is that some green screen they've got to make it look bigger? Well, when they look out of that view, yeah. that is North Carolina. Okay. And that is a green screen. Okay. But every time they do shots of them in the forest, that is clearly Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, the budgets are, you know, they can't afford to be out there. Clearly, go out on location. And why should they? Just do everything in Scotland. Quite right, too. Quite right, too. So that is the first two episodes. Uh, no, second and third episode. Second and third episode of Droughtlander. Um, a bit of a false start, really. Um, I, I haven't really enjoyed the first three episodes yet. Really? Oh, oh, right. So you didn't enjoy? You haven't enjoyed anything? Not really. It's just a bit. I mean, apart from the Roger and Bree stuff, it's all a bit. It's all a bit bitty as well, isn't it? I think, and it's you know, like I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched. I haven't rewatched them during the week, so that's a you know, which I always used to do before. Oh, Maureen, my but God. it gets it gets better from the next episode. We're hoping that episode four it will pick up. I mean, and and when we discuss it on the on, in the podcast on Friday, you will see that it does it does pick up a little bit, and there there's the promise of something exciting to happen, yeah. albeit completely bonkers. Welcome as, to Outlander, as per bloody <laughs> usual. But if you embrace the complete nonsense of it all, you might actually find it bearable to watch. So that was it, episodes two and three. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Droughtlander. We have thoroughly enjoyed. <sighs> anyway, I ran out of steam. We've run out of steam now. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> what, what do you say about the... You're going to put the kettle on? Oh, do you want to put the kettle on? Yeah, go on. <laughs>